About one year ago, Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, was killed in a horrendous helicopter crash. The cause of the crash was due to dense fog. The helicopter pilot became disoriented as to location and direction. Completely disoriented. Fog is like that. Fog can be disorienting to any of us, causing us to, to misjudge, to not understand. Our Christian journeys through this earth or on this earth are much like a journey through disorienting fog. The world's agendas and patterns, the world's priorities and plans are like a great fog that sits at ground level as we journey, make our journey towards God. If we're not careful, that disorienting fog can cause us to look for hope in all the wrong places. Today's sermon text lifts the fog to help us see with pristine focus that our hope in this life and the one to come is not found in anything or in anyone of this world. Let's locate Romans chapter 4 in our copy of the Christian New Testament. Romans chapter 4. Romans is a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome to declare the undeserved, the unmatched, the unstoppable gospel of Jesus Christ. Today we are finishing Romans chapter 4 where we have taken six Sundays to consider the doctrine of justification by faith alone. This is also the final sermon in the second section, the second division of the book of Romans. We've looked at the priority of the gospel in the first 17 verses of Romans, and then we've taken the next several chapters to consider the heart of the gospel. You'll be reminded that we've talked about the need that we have of God's righteousness, and the, the heart of the gospel is that we need God's righteousness. The righteousness of God has been revealed through His wrath. He is angered because of our sin. The righteousness of God, it has, it has reigned and it continues to reign with complete justice. Jew and Gentile, God shows no partiality. And then we're coming through chapter 4. The righteousness of God is received by faith. Would you please follow along as I read from God's Word, Romans chapter 4. What shall we say then that Abraham, our fa about Abraham our forefather as pertaining to the flesh has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has something to glory in or to boast about, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. In other words, if someone works, his wages are not a gift, they are his due to him. Verse 5. But to the one that doesn't work, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Even as David also describes the blessing of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessing then only on the circumcised or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was reckoned or counted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it counted? When he was in, un when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. In other words, he was justified before he was circumcised. 
verse 11. And he received a sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, that they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed or counted to them also. And the father of the circumcision to them who are not of the circumcised only, but also who walk in the steps of the faith that our father Abraham, which he had yet being uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed. It did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law, for if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. Because the law works wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure or guaranteed to all of his offspring or his seed. Not, to only, not only to that which is of the law, but also to those which have the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened or made alive the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. He called into existence things that did not exist. Verse 18. Who against hope, Abraham, against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to Abraham. Abraham's faith was counted to him for righteousness. And our text for this morning, now it was not written for his sake only that it was imputed to him, but for ours also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Maybe you have become disoriented in life in recent days. If you are not yet a Christian, these verses are one more plea from Paul to you, calling you to see that justification can never come through what you are able to accomplish. Justification only can come through what God has accomplished on your behalf. Christian, the fog of this world is dense. It's even disorienting to, at times in our journey. These verses lift the fog to remind us where our hope is really found for this life and even in death. So whatever your circumstances are this morning, whatever the unique situation of your life is, whatever doubts remain in your hearts, Paul teaches us that your only hope for life and death is Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? If so, do you live that? We will study three verses this morning and note three ways in which we are offered hope by justification by faith alone. 
be an active listener this morning. Write these three down. They're li- it's life-changing stuff. Martin Luther said it this way, in these verses, the whole of Christianity is comprehended. Number one, justification by faith alone offers personal hope. Verse 23 says, Now, it was not written for Abraham's sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for ours also, for us also, to whom it will be counted. The first word of verse 23 begins the most hopeful message in all of history. It says, now. Sometimes it's translated, but. It communicates a transition of thought that Paul is making as he, as he writes to the church at Rome. Being justified by God is, is not for Abraham, by, by being justified by faith by God is not for Abraham only. It's for us also. Paul says, yes, it's true of Abraham. He was justified by faith. But it's also true of everyone who was in Christ. The apostle has gone to to great lengths to explain that Abraham believed God and that it was counted, that belief was counted to him as righteousness. And now Paul tells the church at Rome and the church in Lancaster. He tells us that faith will be counted as righteousness for us also. It's a forward-thinking idea. It's a promise that is given to all who believe in Jesus' death and resurrection, of which we have sung this morning. Being justified by faith is not exclusive to Abraham. It's not a a club of of one person. Rather, that hope is offered to all who believe in the one who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord. And it's not that it's just opened beyond Abraham. It's open to you. It's available for you. Sometimes we recite John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. And then sometimes we'll insert a name in there to personalize it. For God so loved John Walters that God gave His one and only Son. That's the idea here in Romans chapter 4. There is a personal hope for you. Faith will be imputed. Faith will be counted to you. It will be counted to us. If you had siblings growing up, there was probably competition for the chance to ride shotgun. Am I allowed to say that word? Front seat of the car. This was back in the days when you didn't have to be 43 years old and 250 pounds to be legal in the front seats. Shoot, you didn't even have to wear a seatbelt to be legal in the front seat at that point. But you remember the competition was fierce, right? Remember? Sometimes it even turned into arguments between siblings that parents had to settle the argument about who was going to ride in the front seat. And and parents did it the only way they could do it. They they asked the only sensible question to, to, to settle that argument. They said, well, who called it first, right? Raise your hand if you had to call the front seat when you were growing up. Yeah, I see those hands. Oh, yeah, that's a bunch of you. Now I feel like I had a normal childhood. Calling it first is what counted. Silly illustration, I understand. Paul says, faith in Jesus Christ, belief in the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that's what counts. You can perform as many good works as the Pope and still go to hell. It's not your good works 
that gives you everlasting life. Faith in Jesus Christ is what is counted as righteousness. And it's your faith. It's not your parents' faith. It's not your family's faith. It's not your pastor's faith. It's not your denomination's faith. It's your faith, your personal faith in Jesus that is counted as righteousness. We need the righteousness of God in order to have everlasting life. That righteousness is given to us via our faith in Christ. Paul says, faith will be counted for us as well. There is hope for life after death because faith is counted as righteousness. Personal hope, individual hope, comes through personal, individual faith. Friend, do you believe God? I'm not asking, did your parents believe God? I'm not asking, do your siblings or does, does somebody you know believe God? Do you believe God? Do you have faith in the one who has raised Jesus from the dead? The text is plain for us. What counts as righteousness is faith. You cannot have hope for this life or hope after death apart from faith in God who raised Jesus from the dead. I want to pause for just a moment. Maybe you have gathered with us for dozens of times to a service at Harvest Bible Church. Maybe you've only been here a few times. Maybe you've been going to church all of your life. All of that is fine, but what makes the eternal difference is if you have personal faith in Jesus. If you have questions about what that means, what that looks like, how to, to, to communicate that, or how to, to express that to God, I would encourage you to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Express faith in Jesus. Pray. If you have questions about that, talk with one of us. It's our invitation to you to be able to, for you to be able to know that you have, have expressed that faith in Jesus Christ. It's a personal thing. Anyone who comes to God comes the same way, through faith. But we all come individually. We don't come in a group. It's not a denomination. It's not, it's not a family. It's not a particular ethnicity. We all, each individually, are justified by faith. It's personal. Men and women of 2021 are saved the same way that Abraham was saved, by faith in God. As you talk about God and God's Son, Jesus Christ, to your neighbors and to your co-workers. Remember to communicate that a personal faith is necessary in order to have personal hope. Christian, your faith counts. Your faith will be counted. If you believe, that will be counted as righteousness. And because your faith is personal, your hope is personal. Justification by faith alone offers a personalized hope, a unique hope, a customized hope, a hope that is for you specifically as a result of your personal faith in Jesus Christ. And because your faith is personal, your hope is personal. There is unique hope for you. There is hope for your unique temptations to sin, precisely because Jesus was tempted at all points in all ways like we are, yet he never even once sinned. There is hope for you as you seek to process the darkness of our world. There is hope for you in the midst of physical trials. There is hope for you in the parent-child relationship, in the employer-employee relationship, in the husband-wife relationship, or in any other relationship. Your only hope for this life and for death is in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? If so, 
do you live it? Justification by faith alone offers personal hope. Secondly, justification by faith alone offers proven hope. Our world is obsessed with fact-checking. Fact-checking can be a helpful practice. The facts of a situation will prove or disprove something. And we like proof, don't we? We appreciate evidence. Paul gives us proof here in the text. Verse 23 again. Now it was not written. This, all this was not written for your sake only, but it was, uh, now it was written not for his sake only, but also for you. It will be counted to you. Verse 24. But also for us, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that was raised, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So through the whole of chapter 4, Paul has been holding up Abraham as this example of, of someone that God justified by faith. But here, Abraham is not the individual who can actually prove that we have hope in being justified. God is the one who can prove that. In other words, Paul tells us that we believe in the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Who was the one who raised Jesus from the dead? God the Father. So it's not just a belief in God, but a belief that God raised Jesus from the dead. And that reality, the resurrection of Christ, proves that our justification is sure. It's secure. The resurrection of Christ is evidence that our justification is complete. We have hope that God has justified us precisely because he's proven, he's already proven his power by raising from the dead Jesus our Lord. We read in the New Testament that the resurrected Christ was seen by some 500 people, witnesses to the resurrection. The resurrection proves that a believer is justified from all sin. Romans 4 declares that God's evidence to us that the penalty for our transgressions has been fully paid in Jesus Christ. Christian, do you see it? The resurrection has set you free. It proves that God has been paid for what, was, what he was due because of your sins. R.A. Torrey said it this way. This is beautiful. I look at the cross of Christ and I know that atonement has been made for my sins. I look at the open grave and the risen and ascended Lord and I know that the atonement has been accepted. There no longer remains a single sin on me, no matter how many or how great my sins may have been. Harvest Bible Church, your atonement has been accepted. Your sin does not remain on you. That's the greatest message of hope. Your sin doesn't remain on you. Therefore, you have hope in this life and even in facing death. And how could it be possible that your sin not remain on you? How can that be proven? Through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. The payment has been made and the payment has been accepted. In raising Jesus from the dead, God has communicated something unique and special. Namely, that we are no longer under our sins if Christ is raised. But if he is not raised, we remain in our sin. 
Brother Jim read from 1 Corinthians 15 earlier. Here's verses 14 and 17. It says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Paul told the church at Corinth that apart from Christ's resurrection, there is no justification. Christ's resurrection is proof of justification by faith alone. Your hope of justification by God doesn't lie with your law-keeping, your ability to do good works, or your power. It lies in the all-powerful one, the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Friend, you can rest. You can be assured. God's promise to justify you is good enough by itself. But he's gone beyond just a promise to justify you by faith. He has actually proven your justification by raising Jesus from the dead. So go and live a life this week in the freedom that comes from knowing that God has indeed accepted Christ's payment for your sin. You know, Satan would love for you to, to live in defeat. Satan would love for, for you to live wondering if you have been justified or not. Satan would love for you to aimlessly drift through life in constant doubt. Satan would love for you to waste your life instead of living in the victory that is yours, proven through the resurrection of Jesus. Christian, hear this. God has accepted Christ's payment for all your sin. That is your hope. The hope that you need for your earthly journey is proven in an empty tomb. Your only hope for life and death is Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? If so, do you live that? Justification by faith alone offers personal hope. Justification by faith alone offers proven hope. And thirdly, justification by faith alone offers planned hope. It's a hope that has been planned. During my five-year-old birthday party, my little brother came home from the hospital after making his entrance into the world just three days earlier. And my life has never quite been the same ever since. So we're five years and three days apart in age. And we shared a bedroom all the way up till I got married. I remember the day that we got bunk beds. My brother may not tear at me. And one night after, after lights out, I was leaning from the top bunk over to the bottom bunk, and I was talking and goofing off with my little brother who was supposed to be sleeping on the bottom bunk. And I must have really been hanging over the edge pretty good because I lost my grip, and I came, off, came flipping off over the top bunk head first um, into the air, and somehow, I still don't know other than God's grace, somehow I did a complete flip in the air and landed on my feet on top of a, of a closed toy box. But I, at that point, I was just scared that I was going to get in trouble for, for goofing off when I was supposed to be sleeping. So when I landed, I just put my hands up in the air and said, ta-da, <laughs> like I had planned it all from the very beginning. I didn't want my brother snitching me out. Let me tell you, I had no plan 
of flipping off the top of the bunk, the top bunk. And I certainly didn't possess the coordination to stick the landing. That's what makes justification by faith alone so, so beautiful. It's been planned. God planned to justify you. And he's been working out his perfect plan through the ages. Verse 25 says, talking about Christ, who was delivered for our offenses, delivered up for our offenses, and raised again for our justification. Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses. He was raised for our justification. So those two aspects, that he was delivered up for our transgressions, that he was raised for our justifications, those implore us. They call us to all kinds of confession of sin and to repentance and to praise and to thanksgiving and to humility and to adoration of who our God is. I mean, when we think of Christ being delivered up for our transgressions and being raised for our justification, how can we remain unmoved? He was delivered up. It's not merely that Jesus died for our sins, although that is true. He did die for our sins. But there's a little bit more to the picture that Paul refers to here in verse 25. God gave up his son to die for our sins. It's the same word that we read of in, later in this epistle in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, that God did not spare his, son, spare his son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We read in Acts chapter 2, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Delivering up Jesus was God's plan A. It wasn't a contingency plan. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 says, it tells us that our names were written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. God delivered up. God offered. God put forward. God provided his one and only son, Jesus Christ. It was a deliberate action by God the Father. And it was not spontaneous it was planned. Beloved of Harvest Bible Church, God planned to justify you by faith alone. And what makes it even more hopeful and beautiful and comforting and assuring to us is that Jesus was delivered up for our offenses, for our sins. It's talking about our violations of God's law, our rebellion, our disobedience. So sinful anger, being rude to other people, lack of self-control, dishonoring your parents, committing adultery in your head or in your bed, homosexuality, greed, and the list goes on and on. God intentionally sent Jesus to the cross because of your sins. It was a substitutionary sacrifice. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
God laid your sins on Jesus. Paul told the church at Corinth, for our sake, God made Christ to be sin. Christ who knew no sin, so that in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Friend, when you consider this intentional plan of God to deliver up His Son for our offenses, when you're reminded that God did this for your sins, it should stir you to run from sin. To be kind to one another instead of being rude to one another. To be forgiving to one another instead of unforgiving. Husband, it should stir you to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Friends, it should stir us to not foster a love of money, to flee youthful lust, to no longer steal, to not show partiality, to stop living a hypocritical life. Run from sin. God not only planned for your justification by delivering up Christ for your sins, but he also planned to raise up Christ for your justification, Paul tells us. The resurrection testifies that Jesus bore, as we've already stated, the full penalty of our sin and still came out the victor. Sin was not too much for Jesus to bear. God was saving us through the resurrection. God was reconciling us back to himself. As Christians, we believe that God delivered his son to be killed for our sins and that God raised his son to provide us victory over sins or temptations that we would face. So the resurrection proclaims that God, yes, is fully satisfied with the work that Jesus did on the cross. And if God is satisfied, then you are justified. If God is satisfied with the payments, then you are free from the load from the payments. The resurrection declares that God is satisfied with Christ's atoning work. If God is satisfied, you are justified. Justification by faith alone believes that God delivered and raised. That Jesus kept the law. That, that God laid our sins on Jesus and punished our sin in Christ. And that God is completely satisfied with Christ bearing that load for us. Do you see it? Abraham was called to believe that through his seed the nations of the world would be blessed. He believed, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. We are called to believe that Christ was delivered up for our sins and that he was raised again for our justification. Do you believe that? If so, you are a child of God. You are a Christian. If not, you are not a child of God. You are not a Christian. How can we sit idly by when we understand that Jesus was delivered up and raised in order that we might be justified? Brothers and sisters of Harvest Bible Church, there is a call to communicate this news to our community. In the coming days, we will be introducing a few new opportunities for us to band together in reaching our community through some outreach events. But you don't have to wait for an event until an event is planned. Talk to your coworker tomorrow. Email that relative this afternoon. Engage with your neighbor this week. God has made a plan to justify people through their faith in Christ. Your justification isn't happenstance. Your justification isn't by the skin of your teeth. Your justification isn't sheer luck or in any way in limbo. Your justification was planned. It came directly from the kind hand of God. God loved you so much that he planned to justify you. 
Specifically, he planned to deliver up his son because of your sins and to raise him up so that you too would have hope in this life and even in facing death. My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me and paid the price of all my sin at Calvary. His grace has planned it all. It's mine but to believe and recognize his work of love and Christ receive. Your only hope My only hope in life and death is Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? If so, do you live that? Justification by faith alone is a beautiful doctrine. It's life transforming. It's hope giving. It's eternally binding. And in some ways, it's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a great big fat therefore at the beginning of chapter 5. And that's where we'll begin next Lord's Day. Maybe you have become disoriented with the fog of this world. Paul gives us three verses that lift the fog and help us to clearly see where we can have hope for this life and even if we were to face death. Friend, your hope... For this life is not found in a political party. Your hope for this life is not found in a loving spouse, a best friend, or any other human relationship. Your hope for this life is not found in physical fitness or in good health. Your hope for this life is not found in your financial security or in your career success. But make no mistake about it. There is hope for you in this life. And that hope is personal. That hope has been proven by the power of God. And that hope has been planned from before the foundations of the world. Hope is found in faith that is counted as righteousness. Christ was delivered up to bear the penalty of your sins. Christ was raised to communicate to you that God was fully satisfied with Christ's payment for all of your sin. Christ was raised for your justification. See God's salvation plan. Wrought in love, born in pain, paid in sacrifice. Fulfilled in Christ, the man, for he lives. Christ is risen from the dead. Christ, he is our hope in life and death. So brothers and sisters, let us confess our foolish ways of looking for hope in the things and in the people of this world. Let us repent of our futile attempts of justifying or saving ourselves. Let's kick Satan in the teeth for the lies of doubt that he plants. Let us forsake all of the disorienting fog that we experience on this journey on earth. And let us look to Jesus, the author and the finisher, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God.